0: Hello and welcome to another episode of On Monorama podcast, Let's Talk. This is T.A. Amiruddin. Let's Talk discusses topical issues that affect all of us. Today, Kerala's prominent writer, activist, academic J. Deviga joins via Skype from her home in Thiruvananthapuram. Devika teaches at the Center for Development Studies in Tiruvannamalai. She has been writing about gender, social reforms, politics and development in Kerala in both English and Malayalam. Devika has agreed to discuss an important issue about the need to rethink development in Kerala in the wake of covid pandemic. She has recently written an opinion piece in Kafila, a blog that analyzes crucial issues. This discussion will focus on Kerala's COVID fight, the state government's narrative about it, recurring natural calamities, construction boom, and the need to change Kudumbasri's functioning in the state. Welcome, Devika, to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Devika, can you please explain or can you please share your thoughts about Kerala's fight against the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Kerala is deserving, it deserves a place that it is receiving definitely the way the the Kerala uh, state uh, civil society coordination has worked to contain the pandemic in a way that is unprecedented and uh, pretty much I mean you can see Kerala's This Kerala is distinct uh, in the entire subcontinent. And uh, in fact, um, the pandemic control, uh, the efficiency of the pandemic control exceeds even uh, most of the developed world. Uh, We can see that. And so therefore, the praise is definitely well-deserved. But uh, what I want to ask is whether we we are confining our uh, interest and our concern to just short-term pandemic management Kerala, we all know, is an extremely vulnerable strip of land and uh, the, 20th century, the 21st century is definitely going to be completely unlike the 20th and the signs are already evident. There is the specter of climate change and as you know, Kerala has been rapidly urbanizing and the combined effect of uh, global change, global climate change and local urbanization, intense urbanization has beginning, has shown us, I, I mean, the effects of this is beginning to show in Kerala very clearly. I mean, since the early, since the uh, first decade of the 20th century, we have been seeing epidemics. I mean, chikungunya, dengue, and many other um, epidemics, which we did not really know of in the 20th century, it started plaguing us. We also saw devastating floods to the two times. Of course, 2018 was pretty bad. 2019 was also bad, actually. The landslides that it brought. Now, all these are challenges of the 21st century. So I have been asking if it is not important for us to also focus on preventing the pandemic or preventing development emergencies, not just the pandemic, but development emergencies. Kerala is unlike the uh, 20th, 20th century. In the 21st century, Kerala is intensely connected to the rest of the world physically. That is, people from Kerala now live all over the world. The Malayali diaspora is a large in number, and therefore, these connections these connections are are going to be there, are life. And um, as far as development policy is concerned, I don't think how we can carry on without taking the challenge of. Preventing development emergencies. um, You know, uh, rather than just managing them in the short run. So that's one concern. The second concern about has been about uh, the way we have been managing these uh, the emergency itself. Now there's no doubt. I mean, there is no there is no doubt that it has been very efficient and especially monitoring and support has been in, uh, by, uh, by many standards. but again, you know, if you look at the discourse in which this whole issue is being discussed, that is where I have some concerns about. You'll see that people veer between uh, other, you know, two, two extremes. They veer between either a celebration of public management. So Mm -hmm. local governance is, uh, you know, being celebrated as the ideal vehicle for public management. So that's a managerialism being um, put forth as the ideal. Mm -hmm. And the other extreme you have in celebration of what some people call the caring state, the benevolent state. Mm -hmm. So there's always the talk about how local government representatives have been spending sleepless weeks uh, away from home caring for people. So both these, I think, are not really useful when we are talking about development emergencies. On the one hand, and taking the uh, taking into con- consideration the fact that the 20th century development achievements did actually uh, leave many people mm-hmm. either deprived or excluded. So if you take into account the demands made by those people mm. and uh, you know, think about um, um, a way of uh, rethinking development. In, uh, you know, in in the 21st century, then you can see there is no escape from what is called a rights-based approach. Somehow, in this uh, whole discussion about pandemic management in Kerala, we are caught between the two kinds of celebration that I mentioned to you. We are really not talking about a rights-based approach to Uh, pandemic uh, containment and recovery. Mm -hmm. So this, I mean, the problem is this. And and again, as a journalist, I don't have to tell you that in the 2018 floods, for example, we were rightly congratulated by the rest of the world for responding to the crisis uh, and working closely with the local state to uh, to actually protect ourselves quite effectively. And I think that praise is well-deserved. Nevertheless, as a journalist, I'm sure you must have heard of, of very many instances where the poorest of the poor, that is the worst of people uh, in the state got a very raw deal.
0: Exactly, exactly. Even I, I met a lot of people even in Alapura when I traveled uh, during the last elections, you know.
1: Yes. Yeah. So. And, you know, what happened in terms of the landslides, I mean, what happened to them, I mean, You can, if you if you think of all those uh, people whose voices were not heard, and you wonder why they were not heard.
0: My answer would be
1: that, well, we did not approach the whole issue through a rights-based approach. So these people were never perceived as citizens with voice and agency. They were always perceived as beneficiaries, who just received what the government has given them. The problem with the public management approach and the caring state approach. Both approaches treat, basically they can't see uh, citizens. They can only see beneficiaries and subjects. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, you know, uh, these are my uh, concerns with the present um, way in which we are managing the pandemic and the way we are looking forward.
0: This might have happened over a long period of time, isn't it? And does this mean that we are not a democratized society?
1: No, actually there is a change. Now, if you look at even the 1996, the very celebrated people's uh, uh, planning campaign, I think the flaw starts from there. Mm-hmm. The thing is that local self-government in Kerala, however effective it might have been, has always looked at beneficiaries, welfare beneficiaries. Very rarely have citizens come into the view in fact okay. in some aspects of the planning campaign there was definitely a recognition of citizenship for example in the people's uh, development reports mm-hmm. the development reports that were generated in the panchayat there was some acknowledgement of uh, what citizens of citizens demand of course there were a lot of criticisms of that process was strictly limited and so on but nevertheless what i'm saying is that the spirit of that that whole campaign at least had the acknowledgement implicit to that campaign was the acknowledgement that, that people in the panchayats are not just beneficiaries, they are also people who can make demands, you know, okay. and uh, okay. on the panchayats. Now, but then those aspects did not really go with the people's plan after the people's planning campaign. Such aspects on the back foot. So, mm-hmm. you know, this so therefore, this problem is already apparent in 2018, and all my writing. On the 2018 floods, also had focus on these aspects. Now, so I had, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I not have to say this, but it is a matter of great sorrow that after the flood, not a single panchayat in Kerala actually called for a Grama sabha.
0: Mm-hmm, okay. You
1: know, if you think that, that should have been the first natural course of action, if we if we were truly if we had truly democratized uh, development, not a single panchayat called for a Grama sabha. We should have had. Now we have the disaster management authority, which is over, which has overseen the process of local disaster management plans. Now, I would have thought that if we were a truly democratized development society, then we would have first had disaster survival reports from the countryside, mm-hmm. and disaster management plans would have to be based on those. Now, that would have been, uh, you know, a rights-based approach. Mm-hmm. But no, I think increasingly we are looking at panchayats not as engines of local democracy. We are seeing them as units of management. Mm-hmm. Well, working well as units of management and maybe that's something to celebrate. I'm not denying that. Mm-hmm. But that somehow destroys the basis of local democracy for far as development concerned.
0: Okay, so then then will it bring more efficiency?
1: Well, it, does, it will do for some people. definitely the lower middle class which has been the chief mem- beneficiary mm-hmm. of uh, uh, and the, the other big segment of the population mm-hmm. in which all political parties have an abiding interest. So those people will find that government has come to their doorstep and is more efficient now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I doubt that it will be the same for uh, marginal populations. So I mean, you would you know that because you see, sometimes you wonder why, you know, the issues of a small groups of people, you know, who are actually small numerically, whose mm-hmm. issues can be well, uh, you know, met by the local panchayats why they are still such terrible uh, throws, uh, despite the fact that we have such an efficient system. You Know, for example, the endosulfan patients, endosulfan sufferers, yeah. you think about it, uh, they have a large population. You know, they can be and they are, they live in different panchayats, so it could have been. They, I, I, I mean, it's hard to think why the issues can't be actually resolved at the level of the panchayat itself, but you don't see that happening. Or, say, for example, the sickle cell anemia patients, why not? Mm-hmm. Again, a very small population, not a large. One, again, spread among different panchayats, they would not be a huge financial burden to any panchayat. So why is it that their issues never get resolved? Why is it that we, that actually we hear, you go to any panchayat, you find that people who don't have clout, yeah, you know, end up uh, getting much and also getting not what they want. The ecosystem people in Kerala have always demanded food security, whether it's the fish of people, whether it's the Adivasis. They've always demanded, basically, uh, they have demanded food security. Now, except that, everything else is is useless.
0: You just mentioned about floods and landslides that hit Kerala in the last two years. So, did we take enough measures to avoid such calamities in future?
1: Historically, every single cattle, any society that has recovered from a catastrophe. Does so actually widen the circle of conversation and dialogue, you know, on focused on how to resolve the problem, how to recover. So there are no instant solutions, but definitely uh, such solutions will come about if only we sit together and do something. An example I can give you is about the terrible pollution at Elur, you know, horrendous chemical of the river, which actually looks like, you know, if you if you go to Elur, you will think that this is finished, you know, mm-hmm. that nothing can be done about it. But you see, uh, if you remember, there was this experience of uh, Supreme Court-led uh, um, monitoring of river pollution where civil society was actually involved. For a couple of years, the river had actually come alive. Pollution had actually gone down with that kind of monitoring. But then what happened was once open standing government came into power. They made sure that this this society this uh, committee would not would be disempowered. So once that happened, you know it went back. Before the committee could really do something seriously to mobilize people to you know build uh, you know in, to actually institutionalize the practice of people of citizen monitoring, it it was uh, packed up. Now, I'm saying even this tiny example, but I'm, what I'm saying is, for example, the simple things that we could have done, like the Navy, which tried to rescue a lot of people in the Periyar uh, Valley. Now, they point out that most houses have these huge walls around them. It was a very, very, you know, dangerous, uh, you know, construction because boats could not just go anywhere close to homes to rescue people. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see why we cannot take a decision about that kind of wall building. Mm-hmm. All those walls could be re- replaced with green fencing. Exactly. Just imagine how different the landscape would look. How mm-hmm. different, you know, communities and neighborhoods would look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just imagine the addition to air quality, uh, to the air. Uh, the, the ambient temperature would come down, you know, so, so much of, of, course, there's a question on what to do with that thing. I tell you, there are very imaginative people in our society who can, who can help us. Or <laughs> outside, we are not connected with the rest. We are intensely connected to the rest of the world. Technologies can be sought from other parts of the world. Expertise can be imported. No big deal. Okay. But there has to be the political will to do that, which is what? is woefully lacking
0: don't you think that the malayali mindset of building new homes to each nuclear family should also be blamed for this scenario
1: you know the political will is to convince people about the long term there are some basic things that you should not compromise on then you have to have some other things in which you can go halfway and there should be another things on which you can actually make some compromises. you, kind of, you have to devise a, a graded system you know on which on some things you will let people do what they like. On some people some, thing, some aspects you will not allow anybody to do. You have to put that in place and that can happen only if you expand local democracy and local monitoring. Mm. otherwise, it's going to be it will be it will it's impossible but then there is so much of technology now available compared to the 1990s but we have to really you know we have to really commit ourselves to uh you know finding that technology adapting it um you know, persuading people to accept into accepting it and the thing about the 2018 uh, floods was we lost a huge opportunity, because if you remember, at that time uh, in the flood rescue uh, operations, they had come into being a civil society, which is quite unlike either the oppositional, radical civil society that we have seen you know, in the 1990s and after. It was neither that, nor was it the development-centered civil society of the Kudumashree. It was an entirely different civil society of young people willing to share ideas, willing to devote time, resources. Uh, and there was renewed idea of Kerala and, uh, as you know as, as, as a phoenix, you nowhere, which had risen from the floods. Mm-hmm. But we completely lost that opportunity, because as soon as the floods were over, it was like the government was back to business, saying that, OK, fine, now you've done a great job. All of you go home. Okay, All these young people who had entered who were ready to do more public-minded work, they're asked to go back. And these invo- and many of these people were actually good in uh, technically qualified professionals who could have contributed to many of these issues that I'm talking about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. back. Yeah. So and yeah. and of course, and it's not, I am not blaming the government alone. You had absolutely the most, yeah, you know, the more the Kerala. Uh, I mean, if you ask me to name the most irresponsible people in Kerala, they are the right-wing Hindutva supporters. Okay. you remember the chaotic Shabarimala uh, you know, riots? Yeah. started right after when we were just coming out of the flood. we mm-hmm. had barely picked ourselves up. Mm-hmm. We were barely back on their feet. And this whole group of people, this completely irresponsible, group of people who are simply not committed to kerala at all they began to bang their heads over and so you know we lost the debate with the government the government was able to get away with their um, you know technocratic bureaucratic uh, you know defense of predatory capitalism simply because the completely irresponsible hindutva lobby in kerala just decided to capitalize on shipment
0: you have suggested Changes in the functioning of Kerala's popular self help group Kudumbasri. You are saying that it is built on neoliberal individualism and not on collective social interest. But I think they continue to yield considerable benefits to the society. Then, why should there be changes in Kudumbasri functioning?
1: As you rightly said, Kudumashree has been beneficial hugely, you know, I mean, it's been the single most important uh, and in fact, almost uh, like Dina Agarwal put it the other day, the jewel in the crown of Kerala's democracy, there's no two doubts about that, but then, you know, what we are also and in fact, one of the worrying things that I have been seeing is that Kudumashree is being used, somehow driven away from the, the goal of empowerment that we had once, and it's being treated like a piece of furniture in the room. You know, like if you have a big sofa in the room, you will kind of put everything on it. You might put a you know, working bag on it. Then you might bring, in, put your plate on it, uh, food on it. And you might put your coffee cup on it. Doesn't matter what. You, know, you might put a suitcase on top of it. You're sure that it's not going to collapse. So, <laughs> the same way, Kurumbashi is being loaded with work, with task after task. And that has been my concern about Kurumbashi in the recent years. But in, I think the current um, situation, current moment is a real opportunity because if you notice the kind of work Muslim women are doing is no the significance of that labor is not limited to local panchayats anymore. It's also not limited to their homes. Now mm. this is now after pandemic. It is very clear that Kerala needs a statewide caring labor force, a community caring labor force that you need. And that community care, caring is very similar to the kind of caregiving that women undertake in Malayali homes now. If you look at Malayali homes now, there is cooking, there is uh, the usual uh, dom- the components of domestic labor. And on top of it, women also do what is called effective labor, you know. The labor of persuasion, you know, persuading children to you know, put themselves to this through this regimen of Studies and then entrance exams and so on. So this yeah. is persuasion. Persuasion and monitoring is a very important. These are very important aspects of the Malayali women's domestic labour. Now, the same kind of labour is being demanded of them in public, and the significance of that labour is statewide. It's not just limited to panchayat or the house. So then, pa- especially women should now we have to publicly acknowledged that they are the state caring labor, the state's state-wide caring labor. Now, once that is accepted, Kutumbashree women should will no longer be looked upon as volunteers who are just doing some little social service here and there. They will be recognized as workers, care workers, mm. care workers who are significantly serving the entire state. Now that gives us some grounds for them some reward, some more concrete reward in the form of a basic minimum income. Kurmashi women are given a, book for the ones, especially ones who are taking up this governmental labour, they need to be rewarded publicly. I think this is one thing I I would like to see, one bit of change I would like to see in the Kurmashi. The second thing I would like to see is an expansion of Kurumashi. Now, promiscuity is the default public life option for the average married woman in Kerala. Okay. Now, I would like to say absorbing young women. Now, in as again, you probably know this well that among the people of Kerala, young women form the single most disempowered group. You know, they yeah. are uh, young women means cutting across caste and class. In fact, lower part, young women are the worst. Affected people in Kerala, lower caste uh, young women are treated the worst now because weight of social conservatism falls most heavily on them. Uh, the violence of social conservatism falls most heavily on those young women now, and they don't have, they really don't have access to public life or uh, you know employment. Know that. So the government should start now thinking in other terms. It should start absorbing will uh, into uh, you know into a public life, to give them a default public life. That's one thing. Also, organically, Kudumbashree has been uh, responding to uh, diversity of demands on the ground. So now it has some effort, some kind of an effort to reach out to senior citizens. There are senior citizens groups in Kudumbashree. There are men's self-help groups which are also overseen by Kurumashri. There is also effort to do, a, to do a different kind of livelihood intervention, not based on service and service, among the tribal communities. So, Kudumbashree in some way is also trying to respond to the diversity of demand from ground, saying that this organic uh, extension should be, you should be transformed in a more conscious way. So, how can we think, for example, of a tribal Kudumbashree, a subsystem of a tribal Kudumbashree? which will completely based on a completely different set of values which Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with liberal individualism Mm -hmm. or a fisher community uh, a kurumashri for the fisher community which might have a completely different set of values so in some way can we expand kurumashri because then that would be a way of actually addressing the demands of marginalized communities now what we see in Kerala is that the demands, and I call it the second wave of, of public action. From the 1990s, uh, the tribal people have been demanding land, um, Dalits have been demanding land. We have seen several struggles, very fraught struggles, uh, in, in the early years of this millennium, the 1990s and the early years of this millennium. We have seen all those struggles. Now, instead of taking those struggles as a nuisance, ignoring them, or just pushing the away with, with completely useless labels like or, uh, mm-hmm. the state government of addressing them with some changes, you know, in, in the welfare system. It's significant changes in the welfare system that will draw these people in citizens, which which will, in a way that it will that their voices will be respectfully listened to. Okay. So, if the Kudumishri can expand in in this way, you know, that is, it can produce a uh, systems itself that will address the demands of these people, then it will be a great, it will be very good and it will also bring back democracy into development in a big way. And, thirdly, I would like to see Kudumishri leading, once again leading uh, the uh, transformation of the Panchayat into a unit of knowledge production. So, you know, every pandemic, now each pandemic, uh, not pandemic, every development emergency should have, should also be an opportunity for knowledge production. So, we should have grammar-based reports of how each panchayat overcame a particular development emergency, and if Kudumashree can transform itself into a vehicle of that. But then again, as I said, if it has, if it must be effective in that capacity, then it first has to transform itself by including more and more people in it. That's how I try to to see uh, the development. I mean, when you say Kudumbashri, what I mean is development civil society that the state has constructed around
0: itself. You observed that Kudumbashri units are blatantly unfair to women. Can you just elaborate on that?
1: If you look at the micro enterprises, mm. even the successful micro enterprises, you will note that women don't cost their labor. So, in in some ways, women undersell themselves in a huge way. Now, when we engage in a, a blind kind of worship, when we when we just heap praise on praise on praise on a success story, because it makes us feel good and makes us appear nice, then we know the fact that exploitative measures can lurk even in the heart of measures that are you know introduced for the good of women
0: thank you devika for your insights
1: thank you very much for this opportunity to speak
0: let's talk we'll be back with another expert soon thanks for listening